0: Radioinfluence.com.
1: Hey guys, welcome back to Live Bold and Boss Up podcast for season three. What? I can't can't believe it. it. (laughs) We're so excited to be back for a third season. Thank you guys so much for listening. We appreciate the support and the likes and the subscribes and your emails, emailing in for questions. Um, We love it. Keep it coming. So our first guest speaker for season three is Elizabeth Dvorak. Um, We really got lost in the conversation with her. She's I feel like she's an amazing storyteller. She is. She is amazing and just
0: so inspirational just as far as her story and how she created her company mm-hmm. and being a mom and just kind of, you know, our the ultimate boss boss babe. Right. Boss babe. Boss
1: babe. You had an accent there. <laughs> I know. Yeah, I really liked how she was building a company while she had little ones running around at home. Um, That's really hard to do. I really admire that. And um, it was really great to hear how she kind of overcame her plateau and to really hear what the market is bringing, um, you know, for, for working in office or remote and what that looks like and what she's seeing firsthand. Right. It's
0: changed a lot in the past two years just with the whole marketplace and working remote. But um, as you'll find out in the podcast, we talk about how the whole working remote thing indefinitely is just really a myth. It's not going to stay forever. Um, Sorry. You know, especially, yeah, like, really? won't, won't. yeah. Um, especially for the companies that are really big on culture and collaboration, you know. There's always going to be an in-person component to it. Yeah. So how do you adapt to that? You'll find out. I'm super excited. It was great talking with her. So
1: yeah, stay tuned. I want the listeners to really hear um, your story, like from a high level overview of, you know, you, you started WorkScapes and, you know, what is it and, and why did you start it? And just, just to get that perspective of, you know, where, where you're coming from. Sure. Yeah. Sure, be happy to. So, so let's just dive right in. Share with us workscapes and and just the history and how you came up with the idea. Just from a high level overview, loved for the listeners to to hear that. Sure.
2: Well, I I really fell into the furniture business, so I I love um, fashion. And uh, growing up, my dad picked out all my clothes. We had a daddy daughter. That was our thing. No. Do and uh, with or without him he just was meticulous about textiles and loved um, building homes and beautiful spaces and so all, I think all these things were building in me as, a, as a, things that I, I love and um, I actually was an advertising major at SMU and thought I would go into that but I really wanted to pursue fashion retail so I started um, with some small boutiques in Chicago. Mark Shale not not around anymore. Um, ultimately moved out of the freezing Chicago, my hometown, and came down to Florida, where my my parents were. And um, I joined Neiman Marcus, and it was there a really, you know, what an innovative back then too. The the designers came in person, and it was just it was great. But it was it was retail, nights and weekends, and mm-hmm. I was in South Florida. Um, I was actually dating a family friend. Uh, Our dads were best friends. And I didn't know many people in Fort Lauderdale. One thing led to another. He had a party. I met Dick, who then became my husband. Oh, how funny. Of 32 years now. (laughs) Well, you'd think, but he ended up being in our wedding. So I guess it wasn't overly awkward. He's a great guy. We stay in touch. And we were really more just hanging out. Right. But... My husband is extremely loyal, so he wouldn't ask me out because of the friend. <laughs> and finally, I had to clear it up with the friend, you know, and say, hey, this is all good. So our first date was on the golf course.
1: Very and cool.
2: um, that was great, three men and myself. And <laughs> one thing led to another. He was transferred. Uh, he was in distribution um, with Armstrong World Industries, was transferred to Atlanta. Night before, he's physically moving. I had helped him pick out a house up uh, in Atlanta. He um, had a limo pick me up after work and proposed on I-95, heading up to have dinner with (laughs) my father, his stepmother. And he had obviously asked his permission, you know, for his blessing on the the wedding, but proposed. And so um, my mother then proceeded to plan a wedding in 90 days. Wow. And we had only dated six months. Wow. So um, I transferred with Neiman Marcus and was able to do that, which was wonderful, but... I found, we found quickly that we knew each other nine months, for one. We were very young, and I was working nights and weekends. And Dick was traveling Sunday to Thursday, Monday wow. and Thursday. So I thought, hmm, it's not a great way to start a marriage. Right. So he said, why don't you look at outside sales? And I have a buddy over at this furniture dealership. Why don't you just go talk to them? So it turned out to be a wonderful dealership, very well-known and um, a great Great place. So somehow they took me in. I knew nothing about it except my background just, you know. Right in fashion and fashion right. and loving furniture and just being around, you know, great architecture and, and with my with my dad's passion for that. So I I, um, I joined there and after about I was expecting our second child. And I, I thought about this the other morning because how flexible work is now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I I actually inquired about the most, what seemed so um, bold at that time was to have a four-day work week. Like, right. No way, <laughs> and that was unheard no way. of probably right. at the time. No so I'm the youngest of four, and we've all had our own businesses. So it was at that time I thought, you know, I want to kind of own my own, own thing. <laughs> deal and my own thing and have the flexibility as a mom. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I went out on my own. And one of my mentors from the dealership, she went out on her own and then we worked a little bit together in Atlanta and uh, we were doing used furniture and different things, just selling open lines, wasn't affiliated with a major line, of course. And then, um, that is, 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 my husband and I talked about our family goals. We didn't have any family in Atlanta and our kids were now three and almost one and mm-hmm. um, and so we talked about, uh, they were, he was getting ready to be promoted and perhaps moved to Denver, moved me us. And I said, that's fine. I'll move my business anywhere. And he said, no, I really don't want to do that. I said, what do you mean? So well, I want to build something together. So he ultimately joined our business. And oh. I said, well, if you want to really get in this business, let's, um, and we want to move to Florida where our family is, let's talk to some people I know who are owners. So we um, we talked with an owner of a dealership in Atlanta, we're getting ready to leave and the phone rang. And it was the owner of a dealership in Orlando, Florida. And he said, I want to sell my business. So
1: Wow. Yes. It's very interesting how that line's up. So right. we I was
2: literally putting on my coat. It was pouring rain in Atlanta. So we flew flew down to Orlando and um, did the due diligence of of this little business, which had six people and it was a Knoll dealership of Knowles, a major manufacturer and, um, and we had to get accepted by Noel. So we, we, we started that together. And, uh, well, wow. that was, um, that was a really busy time. We were trying to find a place to live. We had two little kids and, uh, my mother came to help me find childcare and everything. And I was upset cause I couldn't find anything. I didn't know anybody. It was a whole new environment. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, flashed a piece of paper in front of her with six colors. And I said, pick a company color. <laughs> and she did, she picked our green, which turned out to be the hot color for the right. next, you know, 20 plus years. And um, we, uh, we thought of the name workscapes um, really earlier in Atlanta, because, you know, the office landscape is, is that it's a landscape and it should be um, dynamic and it mm-hmm. should be changing and, and, it should
0: evolve. Right. I love that. Yeah. And I have so much respect for someone who can just start a company with two small kids. Mm -hmm. And it's just like you put all in and you moved to Orlando and started this. And I don't know, just the the drive and the passion that goes into it. Mm -hmm. I just, I have so much respect for that.
2: Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. It's it's really been a partnership. Um, My husband and I, we learned on our first date we could play golf together and get (laughs) along. So we figured we could get along in the business. And we really have complementary skill sets. Uh, We have many in common, but we also have complementary ones. So he's he's really um, his background in business and, and operations has really helped. I'm more sales marketing front end. And so it's been a nice combination. And mm. he's a tremendous coach and leader as well. And, you know, you have the same, you have lots to talk about when mm-hmm. you know, but you have to shut it off. <laughs> right. kids. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So, uh, yeah. How is so that? We, we, you know, we started with WorkScapes. It was when we bought the little business. It was um, the owner had sort of lost interest in the business. And so it had it once been pretty prominent with clients like SunTrust and Marriott. And, and so those are the first two I called. Mm-hmm. I, I took my new cards and headed out to see these customers Mm -hmm. and um, they they were somewhat disgruntled with the state of the business so we slowly earned their trust and respect and uh, we built the revenues there from under two million our second year we did 23 million which was wow and um, we also hired a head of business development who ended up with us for many many years she was with an architectural firm there and was very credible because we have no we had no credibility in Orlando mm-hmm. outside of the fact Dick called all his fraternity brothers because of to Rollins. So we got our accountant, our lawyer, all of all of our key sources for the purchase of the business was through our um, through his fraternity yeah, brothers right. and friends. Yeah, that's how it happens. Right? So, so then, you then we ex- get it start somewhere exactly. So then we expanded down to South Florida, and um, we um, we then really hit a time in our business where it sort of plateaued, and we thought, okay, we can either we can either sell, um, we can grow, um, or we can just kind of stay the same as a boutique.
1: Right.
2: So uh, growth is sort of my middle name. So we really wanted to grow. and um, What and grow got you past that
1: plateau? I'm, I'm curious, like as a business owner, right? You're, we're mm-hmm. always trying to grow. And then, yeah, inevitably you're going to hit a plateau. Um, how did you get over that? Well,
2: you know, there's a phrase, wise men seek counsel and for so many years, it was sort of uh, Dick and Elizabeth hands-on doing everything, and we we had a consultant in, and he said, "Where where's the rest of your leadership team?" <laughs> I said, "Well, you're looking this, at it. You're <laughs> looking at it. You know, we, we've done pretty well so far." And he said, well, "You know, you, you have to you have to you have to scale for something bigger if you want to get." And so we we really. Um, sort of hired at a higher level. We we got some more expertise in the door. We had really committed people that we many still with us today, and um, just really was focused on our goals of how how you know now that we kind of made that decision and took that jump. How you know what size do we want to be? What do we, is bigger better or is mm-hmm. just better better? Right. And and, and how do we want to how do we want to grow this company? And so we've we've learned a lot over the years and. And then in 2011, so we we started the business in 1998, and 2011 we were um, really wanted to grow that statewide footprint, Um, and we were introduced to Herman Miller, and they were sort of looking for um, some different representation, and we were looking to grow statewide, so they owned the distribution in Florida, so we ended up. Buying all their dealerships in Florida, five at one wow. time. Um, over the, you know, 18 months, we talked and negotiated. And so it was um, in 2013, we, we grew from two locations to five. And uh, we also moved our family to Miami. Wow. So uh, that was challenging.
1: Right. Um, That's a job in and of itself, finding... Schools and a home and getting established. Yanking your kids around. I mean,
2: we spent many spring breaks fixing up showrooms we were opening and you know, they just learned it was a family business and they had to be they're very adaptable. (laughs) (laughs) They've been moved around a lot. So when we moved to Miami thinking we had to be in the biggest market in the state now, um we moved there. Our son was um that who's now with us in the business was um Uh, suffering from cancer. So he, it was Mm, a second, uh, he's a two-time survivor uh, of uh, lymphoma. So um, that was probably the most challenging. And that's the biggest question I get is how did you, how did you and Dick keep going through that? Because when we were negotiating the purchase of the five dealerships from Herman Miller, he was in the hospital off and on. And um, so I was literally taking calls in the, you know, just keeping him company in the, right. in the, in Florida hospital down the street
1: wow.
2: from our office. So it was a very challenging time and getting him off to college, which he ultimately did start on time and he finished in four awesome. years and he was a uh, pitcher um, um, in, in college and loved baseball, but nice. uh, his senior year it came back. So we dealt with that. And then the other two moved down to Miami, which was quite a change for them, mm-hmm. but turned out to be a great move. And then most recently in 2018, um, we sold our Miami location, which afforded us the opportunity to move to our other, any of our f- other four locations right. and we chose Tampa and, uh, we chose Tampa cause we wanted to, um, we need some leadership here and we wanted to really be, um, grow this team and this market and we felt the timing was right. And we made Tampa our headquarters. I
1: think you're spot on with that. So, I
2: mean, we're, we're happy you came here. Yeah, absolutely. So now it's almost been
0: 25 years since you started Works, right. Workscapes. Congratulations, and you've Thank had you. so much success. And I'm sure, just within the past two years, the whole workplace has changed a lot. Like, how have you had to adapt to that? Just changing culture from all these companies that are going through changes, like it's. What,
2: what have you had to do? Well, a key uh, change in our company that allowed us to serve our customers better was changing, uh, really adopting a system called EOS and it's based on the book Traction by Gino Wickman. Mm-hmm. And it's an entrepreneurial operating system because you asked how we grew, you know, how, how did we make that leap to that right. next stage of business, um, the stage two business. And um, we realized that we needed some structure We had very committed people, but we didn't necessarily have defined roles where people knew where their jobs started and stopped. And so we sort of started with our own selves Mm -hmm. and we um, hired a professional consultant, an implementer of EOS to come in. And we started this in Miami and we're continuing with the same consultant. He was just here uh, a couple weeks ago. We've uh, technically graduated from the program, but we're very dedicated to it. And basically it brought structure Um, but yet didn't compromise our entrepreneurial spirit. Mm -hmm. And so it has tremendously improved communication, up-down communication. We have a certain way we lead our meetings. It's all very um, consistent. And so people feel with multiple locations, they feel they're in the know. Everything's very open and honest, very transparent. We have regular company updates. We share all, all information. With our employees. And we made the conscious decision at that time, four and a half years ago, to really take great care of our employees. And I think when you do that, they're gonna take great care of our customers. Mm -hmm. And we've, our first part of our career, you know, my career, I was always the customers king whatever needs to be done i'm 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 doing it we're all doing it we're mopping the floor we're doing whatever the customer needs but in reality you know we really need to take good care of our employees and our staff mm-hmm. and so it was a tremendous move because i feel it was transformational in our culture and we really updated our mission our vision our five core values. We hire around our, our five core values. Right. Sometimes we let people go and be happy somewhere else around our five core values because not everyone's gonna align with them. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when they do align, it's just harmonious because you have everybody rowing in the boat. You know, you have everybody knowing their why, why they're doing this and, and what, what we're here to do and they're taking good care of each other. Mm-hmm. So from the pandemic standpoint, we really, I mean, I say my title is Chief Encouragement Officer because it's really what we spent a lot of time just making sure that our employees were okay, right. had the tools they needed, um, and and could just, there's so many situations with families and and so too with our clients. There's such mm-hmm. a wide spectrum of what um, people are doing, their situation. Um, a lot of companies aren't based here, so they were subject to the policies that they wanted to do from, you know, New York or Chicago. or So even though Florida was more open, they weren't open because of the policies of, you know, right, of the right. corporate policies. Mm-hmm. So we just took a very case-by-case approach mm-hmm. to finding out what our clients needed and then helping them navigate through the pandemic. And then what does the
1: workplace look like? Well, it's changed. Right. Talk to us about that because you're in hospitality, you're in corporate America, you're in hospitals, right? Mm -hmm. So you see many different industries and you've seen them, like you said, go through COVID and just different changes. And even, even in 2022 now, you know, things are still changing, right? So talk to us about the, just the, the workforce, the, you know, what does that look like now? What have you seen?
2: Well, I'm sure you've
1: read a wide
2: range of things from Mm -hmm. the office is dead to everyone's going to work from home. Right. Which is a myth. I think it is. Mm -hmm. And I think it's depressing after a while to work solely at home. It's also hard to kind of be your best and get the work done. So, Mm -hmm. you know, the office is becoming this... um, community center this town center where it's a compelling dynamic exciting place ideally that supports the work that that particular company does and Mm -hmm. those people do and it's a very human centered approach Mm -hmm. but it's based on a lot of research and our main partner Herman Miller they are stellar at workplace research and so we lean a lot on their research but um and their findings but really the three reasons people are going to you know come to that workplace is for community socialization. I mean, we need it. We're wired that way. Mm-hmm. We're wired to be with other people. And um, uh, the second reason would be for individual focus. I and mean, we loaned task chairs, Herman Miller, high performance seating. Out to a lot of architects and designers during the pandemic. Did you, yeah. We delivered them to their homes because they were at their dining room table with kids running, you know, crawling underneath and the work had to still get done. <laughs> right. It's very distracting. So yes. the office will be a place for individual focus. Teamwork. You can only, the third reason, team collaboration. Mm-hmm. You can only do so much work over Teams or Zoom. Right. Mm -hmm. And these virtual calls get very monotonous. You lose people. They're looking at other things. They're distracted. Right. So um, the the dynamic nature of a team coming together and meeting at a place that supports them with great technology tools, great furnishings, great layouts, flexible layouts, Mm -hmm. um, will really make it someplace you want to be. Right. Mm And we've all heard about the amenities that's important too, the clean air, but also good coffee, the right. you know the snacks, uh, the health initiatives. there's all that's going on, but we're we're one of those ingredients with really great great design. And mm-hmm. if you have great design, people can be it can foster uh, great work. So the landscape has changed, as you'll see in our headquarters here. you know a lot more small meeting rooms, a lot more huddle spaces. Phone booths right. that just give people a lot of choice. Mm-hmm. No longer is, and this was happening before the pandemic. No longer you just come to your assigned cubicle and you work for the day. How yeah. how boring is that? Oh, and then so you you know go home. Right. Now the real estate is very inclusive. Mm-hmm. It's very equitable. You can use the entire footplate. Mm-hmm. Of- footplate. Um, Ideally. Right. Well, what I love too, whenever you were showing us
0: around your office, which is beautiful is the, um, areas, they're all, you can take down the walls, you can move them around easily because in this ever changing like workplace right now, I think everyone has to be adaptable. So having that capability where you don't have to like tear down walls is like important whenever Mm. you're considering
2: a space and, well, know. even with all the great research, how are we supposed to really future-proof a space? Right, right. And so, a lot of our content this past year, and our blogs, and different different things we've been communicating to our clients and and how uh, to to the our audiences, is really around this elastic interior, mm-hmm. and to create a space that's really just a shell, and then the inside comes to life with very portable modular pieces mm-hmm. that look great and look substantial and permanent, but they can be changed on a
1: dime. They really do. Like we're looking out into part of the workscapes office right now. And the, I love the glass walls. They're so beautiful and they do, they look permanent, but they're not, you can take them down. What'd you say in four hours or something? Yes. Like that?
2: So they, they sit on top of the floor covering. They don't, Wreck the floor, com- you know, covering, and they hook into your ceiling. So if you if you build early with that in mind, with modularity in mind, before um, a lot of uh, unsustainable drywall has been put up, you can really create a dynamic environment. And then taken beyond the walls, you know, we're seeing a lot of furnishings that are very easy for teams to move around themselves. This is not something that you need to call facilities for or make a plan like you would with the walls. Right. It's really furniture that can morph into accommodating different sized teams just in a matter of minutes. Mm-hmm. So oh, cool. that leads to a very productive, high performing space. And that's mm-hmm. what we help clients achieve uh, based on their outcomes that they want to have and, and really their personality, their culture, all those things go into the, uh, designing of a space. I love that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So if you were to go back
2: in time
0: and if you could do anything different in your business or the growth piece of it, like, would you do anything different? Would you change anything?
2: Well, we've made some really great decisions and we've made some really dumb ones and you just can't be, you can't be afraid of failing. Mm -hmm. And I I think I probably would have, um, um, I, I don't have any regrets, I will say that. I do not have any regrets. Uh, and I think that I've had more occasions where I'm just so grateful. I have learned so much from our team, more than I ever, I mean, I've learned and I continue to learn. And I hope that, that I uh, can coach and mentor too. And that's become a lot of my role now is just really running alongside our incredible team and helping clients and serving clients. I, Mm -hmm. I never want to take my, um, eye off that. I've gotten busy over the years that I wish I, you know, that I've, it's taken me a minute to just get back. Really what my dad told me was you just never get too far from the customer Mm -hmm. (laughs) because, uh, you really need to keep, keep an eye on that. And, um, and, and, and stay involved so that you have your, your ear and you can really bring value to your team. And so I try and be in my best seat now and it's, it's different than it was years ago. I'm not as Mm hands-on, but yet, um, I'm where I want to provide value and grow and mentor and coach our great, uh, our great team. That's great. Great advice.
0: Yeah. And, um, you know, I think just having workscapes here based in Tampa now and so many companies coming to Tampa, I think it's an exciting time. And I get excited every day whenever I hear of companies coming to the area and just how, you know, with the new designs of companies and seeing the areas, how they're so adaptable now and just adapting to the new you know, work environment, Mm -hmm. I think is so important.
2: Yes, I do too.
1: So thank you for sharing that. Thank you so much. This was so eye-opening, And I love that, you know, you also feel like, Hey, it's, it's a myth that we're just going to be working from home from now on full time. You know, the office is still thriving, but it's thriving in a different way and it's thriving for the employees. So I love that. I think that's eye-opening, I think, for a lot of candidates looking out there and trying to find their next, their next their next path. Yeah, their next path. <laughs>
2: exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs>
0: well, thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you. Thank you to our listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, we're so excited to see what, you know, the companies and leaders come to the area and what 2022 will bring. Yeah. So, And until next time, live
1: bold and boss up.
3: This is an in the trenches with Ian Beckles quick fix on Radio Influence. The Bucks really only gave us about two minutes of satisfaction in that game yesterday. No more than that. The Buccaneers from Jump Street—they came out, they ran the ball a couple times, punted, and from that point on, they were gone. They were done and they really didn't come back in the game until the end when, let's be honest, people, I'm just going to be as honest as I can, the Rams let us back in that damn thing, okay? The Rams should be kicking themselves today for letting the Buccaneers back in that damn game, seriously. Because at the beginning of the game, and if you guys don't believe me, you can go back and listen to Beckles and Retro all last week. This is my whole thing. This is my whole thing. We don't match well against the Rams up front. Our offensive line against the Rams' defensive line is not a good matchup. Does anybody think that that was wrong now? And I said on Friday, the reason why the Buccaneers are going to lose this game is because the Rams are that much better up front on defense. Is anybody saying that's not the case? Because, listen, the Bucs lost by three points. Not a big deal. But you watched the game, didn't you? The Buccaneers, if they play the Rams ten times, I'm not sure the Bucs win more than twice. And I don't think I'll say that about a lot of different teams and this Buccaneer team. Now, obviously, with Tristan Wirth not being in the game, and once again, this is not me talking after the fact. I do have a radio show on 95.3 WDAE. You can listen to every day from 3 to 7. And I say the same things. Without Tristan Wirth, I don't like the Buccaneers' chance. With, with Tristan Wirth, I like their chances. If you guys don't think that offensive line play is that important, put Tristan Wirth in that game yesterday, and the Buccaneers are a completely different team. And the reason why we lost that game is because of the trenches, period. Now, you know, this this uh, podcast is called In the Trenches for a reason. You literally win that way. Look at all the playoff games. Everybody wants to talk about these high-flying quarterbacks. 16-13 playoff games? <laughs> That's not won by quarterbacks. That's one in the trenches, Period.
0: In the Trenches with Ian Beckles can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.